We have a very special guest on today's show. We are bringing on Chargers defensive tackle Braden Fehoku, who has some of the wildest takes out there. It's super, super fun talking about his upbringing and making it into the league as an undrafted free agent and also giving us an insider look in how the Chargers defense works. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drokemeyer. We've been covering the Chargers together for seven seasons now, but this is our fifth season as a host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys, as always, for making this your first listen. And if you don't want to miss an incredible interview like the one we have for you today, make sure you are subscribing to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and also following the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. We have a great one with Brayden Fajoka, who was awesome, right? Really Really appreciated hearing how he grew up and the pressure he was under to kind of play football, having three brothers go Division One before him, having his dad be the face of Hawaii football, but also who he would steal from the 2019 LSU team. Maybe Jamar Chase to the Chargers, Justin Jefferson to the Chargers. He had a really, really good answer for that. And also, he kind of broke things down for us. He gave us a really good, insightful look on how the Chargers defense works, especially concerning the run fits and how important it is for all 11 players to play there but we get into a lot of really fun stuff including what it's like to play for brain and staley one of the most polarizing coaches in the nfl but today's episode is brought to you by ultimate football gm have you ever dreamed of becoming an nfl gm and managing your own football franchise then this is the game that's definitely for you to download the game just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores our listeners get a 100 free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on all caps in the game here he is brayden fehoko all right, well, our next guest needs no introduction. One of the fan favorites, one of our favorite Chargers with a great story. We have Braden Fehoko on today's show. Super, super excited to have him on. If you don't already, now you probably do. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter, at Fehoko Show. One of our favorites. Not, you know, ever afraid to let the takes fly, especially regarding, you know, food and things like that. In and out, lovers, you know, sit down for now. Maybe we'll get to that later. But I want to start with this, Braden. First of all, just thank you for coming on the show, man. You didn't have to. Really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. No doubt. Appreciate you guys for having me, and I'm looking forward to talk some real ball with y'all. Let's talk some ball. And, I mean, you actually got to play some ball this year. More than twice mm-hmm. as many snaps as you got to play in 2021. You know, you got to play in 2022. Really had a big role for yourself down the stretch of the season, and we'll talk about that four-game winning streak later. You were a big mm-hmm. part of that. Got to play a lot of snaps in that. But, like, what did it mean for you specifically, man, grinding it out, being an undrafted free agent, getting to where you're at, where you're kind of on the team, you know, up and down, up and down. But to, to get that extended stretch where you could really kind of feel like you show what you can do. Yeah, you know, it's always going to be tough for these first couple years, these first three years, as I like to say, um, being in my position as an undrafted guy. You know, I basically, I mean, my contract's able for anybody to look up. You know, I signed to the Chargers for, you know, crumbs. And, um, you know, it was prove it, come in, and, and you got to prove it every year, not just in 2020. And, um, you know, I understand – uh, the course of the way things go as I've grown up in my career. Earlier in my career, I kind of questioned a little bit like, hey, you know, I feel like, you know, I should be playing more. I feel like this and this. But as I've gotten older, I've understood that, hey, you're an undrafted guy. You know, you're always going to be a guy that's until you can consistently prove yourself in this league, you're always going to be a guy that's going to have to prove yourself day in and day out. 
And I've liked that. It's helped me mold into a better player. It's helped me become a better person in life. And ultimately getting to play that much football this year helped me because, you know, I was able to get my name out there on a national stage, um, you know, thankfully so, and, and able to just, you know, show people what I can do outside of, you know, the Chargers fan base, outside of the Chargers sure. organization, outside of the coaches and players that see me every day, you know, on a day-to-day basis, I was able to show, you know, the National Football League what Braden Field can bring to the table as a football player. Yeah, I mean, the NFL is a business, right? And, you know, of course, you're with the Chargers, but, you know, you want to be able Chargers to put are your hiding best you. <laughs> tape out there. You want to be able to put your best foot forward. But, you know, kind of transition here. One of the things that's been really fun to watch, especially, you know, with you is how proud your parents are of of you and have been of you, whether it's on Twitter or in the stands, you always, you know, can find your parents hyping you up. How cool is it to be able to see your dad wearing your Jersey and seeing how proud of you he is of your success? You know, I, I owe everything to them. Um, you know, I'm a product of my environment and my environment is being raised in a family household where, you know, uh, my mother and my father and my three older brothers all care for me growing up and they've invested so much into me and, and me into being the man I am today off the field, not just who I am as a football player, but to see them whenever they can make it out to home games, whenever they can make it out to away games, uh, makes me proud, makes me play hard, you know, knowing that how much they poured into me, um, getting to watch the Super Bowl and see, you know, Mama Kelsey out there, um, that kind of brings, you know, a, a cool warmth to my heart and, and you know, even a, a couple tears now and then because you know that football is is more than just – X's and O's and, and, you know, schematics and techniques. There's certain intricate things that you really can't measure. And that's the emotion of the sport and what it brings. And like the Kelsey's, like my parents and, and like many other parents of players around the league or guardians or loved ones, whoever supported them to get to this point, um, they're all so proud. And it makes us as players go out there and just want to do more, you know, give back to them because we know we know it's never enough of what they've given us. And so, you know, mom and dad, I appreciate you guys. You guys are watching, listening. You know, you guys have always been a foundation of rock to me. And, you know, I look forward to, you know, playing harder every year wherever my career goes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've had a heck of a career. David, I'll let you get to the LSU question next because we have a, a, some tough LSU questions. People forget okay. national championship. Okay. Put some respect okay. on his name. Okay. But just in general, you come from a pretty incredible football family. You had mm-hmm. three brothers that all went Division One before you did, right? Your dad was the face of the University of Hawaii football team. Just, you know, iconic over there. <laughs> but like... What kind of do you did you feel pressure growing up? Obviously, you know, you grew up in an environment where everyone cared mm-hmm. for you, and that's such an important part in kind of cultivating what you want to do. But, like, how much pressure was there, you know, to play football, to be able to be good at football, to try to pay back your parents for kind of putting their return on you? Wow, that's a great question. You know, there's there was an immense level amount of pressure. Um, I, I can vividly remember just growing up. Um, you know, my oldest brother leaving the house for San Diego State, then my brother Sam leaving for Texas Tech, and then uh, my brother that's five years older than me, BJ, uh, he left to Utah, and then it was just me, my mom, and dad in the house for like five, six years. Dang. And, you know, I kind of didn't know, like, like what I wanted to do. You know, like, football was always around, right? I, I always played it. I was always good at it as a kid. Um, I excelled, but there wasn't really, like, a – like a motivation inside of me that was like, man, like, I don't know if I can really fill these shoes. My brothers have left before me because they're really big shoes, you know, like three older brothers went to D one and you're the youngest. We all went to the same high school. Um, they all were all state players, um, all decade players in, in, in the, at the state of Hawaii. And, you know, for me, it was like, you know, how am I going to do this? And so I kind of had to find my way 
You know, I was just like this tweener, eighth grader, like chubby kid. I was into <laughs> gaming. You know, sure. I had um, I had these tech decks. I remember those little skateboards. You know, the tech oh, yeah. decks. And so, like, I was like this nerd, like chubby kid, always in like eighth grade. Like, you know, my dad would be working, my mom would be working, and I was like, I came home one day, and I was just like, man, like. I got to figure out what I'm going to do in my life. And so I remember that my dad always had weights in the back of the house and I just started lifting and I just kind of found myself by being by myself. And, um, you know, being alone really taught me how to mature, how to be a man, even though I was in eighth grade, you know, I was by myself and, you know, I always remember hearing from people like, Oh, are you going to be as good as your brothers? Are you going to do this and this? Are you going to fill their shoes? Sure. And, you know, three years later, I had, you know, the Hawaii State sack record 24 and a half my junior year and then 26 my senior year. So Nuts. Um, it turned out pretty well for me. And, you know, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my brothers. So, yeah, it was it was immense level of pressure. But, you know, I made it through. Yeah, you definitely did. And, you know, one of the things that you got to do on that journey is you, you were on one of the best college football teams of mm -hmm. all time. Who won? He probably the thinks the best ever. I think if we were to ask him, he'd probably say the goat, the goat team of all time, I would think if we asked yeah. him. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue. Man. The, the team had so many NFL players like, you know, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Yeah, man. If you could put any of your 2019 teammates on the Chargers, who would you pick? Oh, so that's a trick. Okay, let me ask you this. If I put them on the team, does that replace the players we have on the team now? No, in addition to, to. Yeah, in, in addition. addition. Yes. Oh, okay. I'd go um, Jay Jets and uh, Jamar. <laughs> in addition, in addition with Keenan and Mike, oh, um, so you're running true four oh. wide, four wide sets every time. Game. And then you ultimately have Eck and Herb. So I mean, you know, you could do condensed formations, you could do spread formations. Um, I put, you know, I was gonna say Devin White, but Devin left the year before, so I probably put Patrick Queen at will linebacker. There you uh, go, next to Drew. Because um, oh, yeah. that Drew, Drew, and and, and Drew and Kanan are good, yeah. uh, but Pat, uh, Pat like is one of the fastest human beings I've been around. And then our DB, I will say the Chargers DB room or the corners we have: Michael Davis, JC, Asante Samuel. They're really elite, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch the corners. You're not messing around with that. No Christian Fulton. No, I K Baby's good, um, <laughs> but. Man, watching Mike Davis and, and Asante come alive, man, I'm, I'm really happy that you know Mike got his opportunity and you know his market just went up. He was so good. <laughs> he was really yeah. good. Really good. The market for Michael Davis just went way, way up. I mean, the Chargers should be very lucky that they have that dude under contract still. Probably should just get an extension right now and just get the bag right now. I mean, I think if you ask me, I think most Charger fans could sign on the dot line there. And I think the only name Charger fans didn't want to hear you say there was Joe Burrow. So we're good there, but. <laughs> Well, we are going to get back to Braden Fayoko and figure out what it's like playing for Brandon Staley and why these players love him, and also him kind of breaking things down for us on the Chargers defense. But I do need to tell you guys that today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. <sighs> you guys heard me talk about this mobile gaming app, and I can tell you how much fun I had competing with the other Lockdown hosts this season. Even though I didn't win, shout out to Chris Carter of Lockdown Steelers. But this is a game you guys are going to want to have with your friends because now it's your turn to compete, but more on that later. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM or you just wanted to take Tom Telesco's job, well, your dream can come true on this game is definitely for you because you'll get to manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the seasons, and lead your team to glory while building a dynasty. With Ultimate Football GM, you get to hire the right coaches and coordinators, trade players, navigate the ups and downs of all of the season because we know the NFL is crazy. And then guess what? You're an expert at that already because you're a Chargers fan, so you know all the roller coaster rides that come along with it. But 
our listeners right now, guys, you guys can get a 100% free boost to your franchise when you use the promo code locked on all caps in the game store. That's locked on in all caps. So make sure you guys check it out today because it really is a challenging and realistic game world ever at Ultimate Football GM. There's no game quite like it. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. <laughs> I do want to talk about your coach, though, because he is one of the most polarizing people, right? I mean, mm. you're looking at the media. Everyone wants him fired. Fans want him fired. It's half yeah. and half. Everything's, you know, so half and half. But, like, when you talk to his current players, when you talk to his former players, I mean, there's a consistency to how much players kind of rave about playing for him, you know, and just what it's like to play for him. So where do you think that disconnect is? Or what do you think that we can't see from the outside looking in that you guys kind of feel about Staley? You know, when... <sighs> Here's the whole thing, right, is everybody wants to compare um, the new age acquisitions, I should say, in football to success that's happened in the past, right? Yeah. So when they see, you know, Brandon Staley, they see a new young coach, and then they start comparing it to, well, so-and-so's got a new young coach. Why don't we have this instant success? You know, Philadelphia has Shane Steichen, who's a young OC. You know, they have Nick Sirianni, who's a young head coach. Why don't we have this young success? Well, right. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl in Philly before Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen came. So the, the foundation of that team was already built. Sure. Yeah. You, they came, not saying they aren't good coaches, but they came into a really good situation in Philly. Kansas City, the foundation was already set since 2011 when Alex Smith was playing quarterback for them. You know, and so what people see now and what they see on the national stages of any sport, football, basketball, baseball, these foundations of the organizations have been set and they've had to go through some trying times. Right. Yeah. So when people, I see people talk about, well, Brandon Staley, you know, why isn't it working? You know, he's this young coach. Like we need a more experienced coach. Well, we go nine and eight our first year. Um, we go 10 and seven our second year with a playoff appearance. Yes. Ideally it does suck that we blew a 27 0 lead. You know, let's address the elephant in the room. That sucks. You know, <laughs> yeah, everybody knows it. I know Definitely. it. The coaches know it. Everybody in the building knows it. Is sucks. it worse than on anyone else than the players who are doing you know, it? That's what I I'm mean, saying. I don't think it's, so. It's, like... it's a sick feeling. You don't you don't game plan. You don't plan for that. It's the nature of the game, and that's just sometimes the way the ball rolls. But you see the different glimpses of wow, this team can be really good. Now you take the exterior factors of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have only played what four full games this season. Um, You know, we've had O-line shuffles throughout the year. We've had three, four D linemen, you know, with season ending injuries. You have, you know, JC Jackson goes out and, and I'm not, I'm not the injury. Justin Herbert with, with, I said on Twitter with smoke ribs and a torn labrum, you know, I don't, I'm not the type of guy that likes to make excuses for circumstances, but when you look at the obstacles just alone in my three years, we've had to face here, you know, with the chargers, and how we've rised through it from my rookie year going, what did we go, like 4-12 and 12 or 4-5 and yeah. you know, five wins that year? Five wins yeah. to a 9-8 and eight win season and, and then a 10-7 and seven win season. There's growth. Yeah, you'd ideally like to hit the lottery and, and, and hit the jackpot and go Super Bowl or bust, but <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You know, I'd like to say that for the people who invest in stocks, you know, Unless you're one that hits on Bitcoin that rises like 200% growth the next day, right. you're going to pull. But most of the time, you're going to hold because you need that small growth over time. And I like to compare that to football. And, you know, I know to the fans that are, you know, or, or 
to the to the people to the media that want to say you know we need to get them out of there we need to the system is set in place whether i'm playing here next year whether there's 53 new guys playing for the Chargers under Brandon sure. Staley. He has the right system in play for that team and for this organization, and it's going to be good. You just have to give it time. And I think you saw that. I mean, t- towards the you know the back end stretch of, of the season, you get, mm. the Chargers were one of the best defenses in the NFL. And we know there's mm-hmm. going to be some personnel change, but yeah. is there anything from that stretch that you can kind of carry over into the 2023 season? Yeah, we we everybody who was on the field. Um, from that back end of the season to that playoff push, everybody had a buy-in mentality. Everybody had the mentality where, hey, this scheme actually works. You're seeing the wins. You're <laughs> you seeing know, the results. We're seeing sure. the wins. We're seeing us play the Titans. And Derrick Henry is – I mean, he had a draw run for 15 yards. Like, I mean, Mike, that was his longest run of the game. But still, like, you're seeing us hold a, a elite run team to 100 and whatever yards they had and then go on yeah. a run where – we play the Colts, who have arguably the highest paid offensive line and, and good offensive line set in the NFL. And so you see what the DBs did against Miami. The process works. The system is set in place. I think, like I said in, in the previous question, I think fans just want to see that instant success. Of course. And in the NFL, it doesn't happen like that. Yeah, you'd like to bank on a first-round pick being the next Walter Payton, but – I'm going to tell you right now, you're better off trying to go get a lottery ticket than banking on, you know, having a first round pick that turned into a Barry Sanders' first year in the NFL. Well, yeah, I mean, and the other thing is, too, is like, you know, then you have the Brock Purdy's, you know, Austin mm. Eckler's an undrafted free agent. You're an undrafted free agent. And I mm. think the hard thing about that specific for you guys is like where you get drafted and things like that can carry on with you as well into the mm-hmm. next contract negotiations and things like that and what people expected for you before you ever even put the helmet on. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that kind of get thrown around that maybe not everyone has a full understanding of. And I think one of those things is run fits, right? That's mm. one thing Brandon Staley talked about a lot. You're one of the guys up there trying to, you know, stop the run. And we'll talk about, you know, that Colts game and you doing a little something, something to that offensive high price line, right? <laughs> you had a pretty good moment in that game. But run fits gets thrown around a lot. And I don't know if everyone has a full kind of comprehension of what that means. So what does it mean to fit a run, right? And why is that important in your defense? Yeah, so – this is funny because when I first got to the NFL, I had this college mentality. I'm glad you guys are asking this question. I always said it starts and it ends up front with the D line, which is true. And I've always said the D line shuts down the run game. False. In the NFL, there's so much contributing factors of jet motions, um, tight end resets where they go from 11, make 12, 12, make 21. And, you never really get a grasp on, okay, maybe this run's coming. Ideally, 70%, they like to run to the tight end. Yeah, all that kind of stuff goes to your mind. But the NFL really makes all 11 players fit the run. In college, it's so buttered down to where, oh, they're going two by two, RPO. So all you really have to focus on is an inside zone play. You play San Francisco, you're going to prepare for 32 runs in a game. And it's jet sweep, um, Crack toss, toss, toss strong, toss weak, lead weak, lead strong, inside zone, counter GT. I mean, I could go on and on. I you played make, like that whole game, too. I mean, know, I was you in know, your highest it, games. I, that must I can, nuts. It was crazy, that game. I, and I can name all the runs. But going back to run fits in the NFL, offensive coordinators are so smart nowadays where they've really forced all 11 guys to get on a block, get off a block, and how long can you do it for until you're willing to give up? And if you watch the Tennessee Titans play, the Cleveland Browns play, and I want to – 
even Philadelphia a little bit this year. You know, they run a little bit more RPO than I expected, but just the vanilla of their run game. Those three teams, if you watch them run the ball, they run the same thing and they do it every play. And you can even throw the Patriots and the Raiders in there, the whole, you know, the Bill Belichick, the McDaniel scheme where sure. you know what's coming every play. Are you going to do your job, not just the D-line? Are the linebackers going to be good with their eyes? Are the corners who are huge in the run fit? Everybody talks about where's the edges of the defense. Well, the Chargers have Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Why are the runs hitting to the edge? Well, what they're not realizing is now when you motion in that Z receiver and he cracks down on the edge, now your new edge guy becomes Asante Samuel. Now your new edge guy becomes Michael Davis. And this happens all Fourth and one against the Jaguars. Fourth and one against the Jaguars. You know, they crack down on Alohi Gilman, who was the edge player. We all crashed in. And then now it becomes a one-on-one with the running back. He got tackled. You know, he got held. You know, He got tackled, bro. That's the the game. And and so – but they well, put him in that spot, right? They said, they, hey, we're going to push exactly where we think exactly. you have, you know, a soft exactly. spot and we're going to attack it. You know, what people fail to realize nowadays is this is not the days of the old school, you know, hey, we're going to run the ball straight up the A gap. This is not that. You know, offensive coordinators got to know where, hey, this is where our matchup is. And most of the time, we're not going to run the ball to where 320 pounders are waiting <laughs> for our running back. What a thought. You know, we're going to yeah. run the ball to where, hey, let's get Derrick Henry on a corner. Oh, let's get Nick Chubb on this weak side linebacker here, one-on-one. Yeah, And so, you know, people fail to realize it, but I want to be able to bridge that gap to where run fits is a whole defensive schematics. You have to fit 11 guys, and 11 guys have to be tapped in. And I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, there's intricate details that going on into run fits. We spend an hour in walkthrough going to fitting through inside zones, but not just through our base scheme. It's through our nickel schemes. It's through our dime schemes right. because you have to see it in different in different schemes. Guys have to be in different positions to fit. Say, you know, if Derwin's playing big nickel and he's now inside next to Drew, Derwin's got to know that, hey, if this guy rock motions out, now I have the weak side big gap. So right. things of this nature, man, I'm, I'm always glad to talk about it and inform people that, you know, want to hear about it. Yeah, we'll definitely have to get you back on and talk more about like that stuff specifically because I think there's so much there because I do think there is kind of a a thought process from the fans kind of like you coming out of college, right? Where it's like people Mm. see a charge, oh, their run defense is bad. Their defensive tackles must suck, right? Like, But it's like really when you look at the Chargers, where they were the weakest, you know, not calling anyone out, was on the perimeter. That's Mm. where most of the big runs came from, right? Because it's like that's where teams are targeting. But I do think that is something that people are still trying to catch up to, right? Where it's like a bad run defense doesn't necessarily mean bad defensive tackles you can do everything right and it can still go wrong defensively mm-hmm. no yeah. I, I i totally agree and and like you said like man i used to think i used to be just like that my rookie year like i'd always be like man we should be able to stop this team with just the d-line but nah Braden, it doesn't work like that in the nfl <laughs> you know kyle shanahan is has made a living off of just scheming up runs in this day and age of, of football and and then you start implementing the play action on it. I'm like, yo, I'm good. Just leave me in on first and second down. Third down, <laughs> let, the, let the big dogs rush. Well, I'm definitely learning something on today's show. And we're going to get back to Brain Fayoko, including what player he was kind of starstruck by when he got to go up against him for the first time. And if there's any better feeling as a defensive tackle to get a big stop on fourth and one like he did this year against the Colts. But I do need to tell you guys that the official sportsbook partner of the, of the Locked On Chargers podcast and the NFL is FanDuel, my favorite sports book, obviously, but 
football season's over, and that sucks. But the great news is, is the NBA season is only midway through, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. Bonus bets back if you don't win. That means even if you lose, you can win money. All you have to do is just download the Sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. And you can bet on anything from the point point scorers to money line to how many threes a player is draining. And that's a great one. I mean, I'm always looking at player props and things like that. Especially home and road is very, very important in the NBA. There's some really, really terrible road teams in the NBA. Make sure you're always checking that first. But player props, player points, rebounds, assists. You can do spreads, money line totals, so many exclusive bets that you can only find on FanDuel as well, which is also a place where you can find the same game parlay, where you can bet on multiple props in the same game and multiply your winnings. Plus, FanDuel is the best place to always place your bets, so don't miss the chance with your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Hey, well, you know, one of those opportunities where, you know, the big guys such as yourself get an opportunity to shine is on those fourth and one situations. Is there any better feeling as a nose tackle than getting that fourth and one stop in a big moment? Yeah. So, you know, before it, it was the end of the quarter. So it was the end of the third quarter. It was going to the fourth quarter. And um, I knew they were going for it. So I told Tyler against Dav- the Colts. Yeah. yeah, against the Colts. So I told Tyler Davidson because um, I'm usually on the left side of the center. In, in, in those sneak formations. But I told Tyler Davis, I said, let me go on the right on Quentin and Ryan's side. I said, I know they're going to sneak it behind Quentin. So let me get on that side. And so, you know, tricks of the trade. Let me take on the first round pick. Let, said, me, let me take said, on the all pro. You know, tricks of the trade. I don't really like to talk about this because these are things I see. But during the game, as I started to get a feel for it, whenever Ryan Kelly would snap the ball, he would hold it like this. And whenever he'd snap it, his, his index would turn like this. So Ooh. he'd always go like this and then he'd always tipping his pitches. Tipping it. So hey. I said, okay. I said, all right, I kind of got a feel for it. So in the first half, if you see me playing, I'm kind of like feeling Ryan. Now. I'm kind of feeling the game, feeling the blocks. Okay. This is what I'm getting. Then in the second half, when they try to run stretch, shut it down, went for nothing. And then on that fourth and one play, I said, okay, let me, let me check. Let me see if, so we all got down. It wasn't no hard count. I saw Nick Foles get on the line and before Nick Foles even said, Blue 80, Blue 80, said hut. Before he said hut, Ryan twisted his hand. And I saw the index go, and I just shot like straight off into Quentin and Ryan. And I said, yo, this guy's got to go nowhere. And then Morgan <laughs> jumps in. Alohi jumps over the pile. And uh, it's fun. You know, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to face Philly in the way they were sneaking the ball in the uh, playoffs. But, you know, you got to prepare for that stuff. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I think it was you that said, you know, like people don't really understand like how hard of a play that is to stop. Like quarterback sneaky. I think you said it's like the hardest play to stop, right? Like, it's the hard. It's not only the hardest, but they sneaked it in the Super Bowl from the two yard line. I know. Disrespectful. That's <laughs> insane. I don't, you know, I tweeted, I said, I don't know. I don't think people know how disrespectful. Like you get to the one, okay, it's sneak. And some people won't even sneak from the one yard line. They go right. like inside the one to sneak. But they were two full yards away and still <laughs> snuck the ball. And I was like, yo, mad respects, man. I got a lot of respect for Jason Kelsey and how he's played the game. <laughs> oh, man, for sure. I'm sure you let, – let, let's end on that. I mean, have you had any kind of moments like that in the NFL where, like, you can't – you know, like, it, it's hard to fully appreciate, like, who you're going against. Like, like welcome to NFL moment where you're like, oh, my God, like, I'm going up against Quentin Nelson. Oh, my God, I just <laughs> stuffed Quentin Nelson, you know, on a fourth and one play, like – how, how cool are those moments where you're going up against guys you've seen play and kind of in that moment you're feeling like, wow, like I'm here. I'm with them. I belong. Oh, dude, I um, 
you know, against Tennessee, I think arguably it was probably my best game of the year. But like going up against Ben Jones, like especially playing at LSU, like I grew up watching Ben Jones at Georgia. You know, like yeah. Ben Jones was like when when people talked about him in college, it was like, hey, this was like country fed, you know, <laughs> country strong. Like, hey, Ben Jones. There's ben levels Jones. to this, yeah. You know, and and throughout the week, you know, Coach Staley would always come to me before practice. He'd be like. SEC matchup, we're, we're going to see what you're made out of against this Ben Jones guy. You know, he's like, I know what Ben Jones can do. What is Bray going to do this week? And it, it pissed me off every <laughs> day. Every day. Oh, and, and, no. I, and I'd go hit the sled, and, and Jay Rogers is like, yeah, Ben Jones is just breathing down your throat right now, Bray. <laughs> he's breathing down your – and everybody was just – and so, like, we got to the game time, and I was just so sick of hearing Ben Jones. But, you know, after the game, you know, I went up to Ben, and I was like, yo, Ben, man, like, I don't want to sound crazy right now, but man, I really like, like I grew up watching you play in the SEC. Like I grew up watching you at Georgia, like, you know, your battles against those boys at Bama, those boys at LSU, Brockers, all those guys. Like, man, I really like appreciated, you know, playing against you today. And the first words that came out of his mouth is like, man, I'm getting too old for you young guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Ben goes, Ben goes, I don't know what they're feeding you young guys, man, but. I'm getting too old for you guys. And he was like, you know, we hugged, dapped it up. He's like, it was a pleasure going against you. And I told him, I was like, thanks for getting me better, man. Appreciate it. And uh, that yeah, was kind of like a cool moment Mutual for respect. me. Cool oh, moment. dude. So especially someone you watch, you know what I mean? Go up against the, some of the guys that you came on to LSU, like mm. Brockers and, you know, some mm. of those gnarly teams. But, hey, man, I definitely want to get you back for some kind of, you know, yeah. that boardroom. You know, I know you think Kevin Durant's better than LeBron. Now he's doing the boardroom <laughs> thing. So maybe we need a, a Braden Fehoko boardroom, you know, where we could break some more of those things down because that was truly insightful, man. And we really appreciate you coming on and kind of sharing some of that with us. And so glad that your audio came out great, too. It's something, you know, you can smack talk Chris Rump about. But really appreciate you having you on, man. We'll definitely try to do it again. No doubt, bro. I'm focused on spring training now. So, you know, I'm going to lock into the pods, man. You know, see what Xander Bogarts is going to give the pods this year. Oh, and, uh, with his L.A. You know, Dodgers you know, hat on, he says yeah, with, this. You see, with, with, with his LA, L.A. Dodgers hat on. Yeah, hat yeah, on. yeah. But, uh, no, man, I'm excited. Baseball, baseball's around the corner for everybody. So I want to actually go check out spring training in Arizona if there's time. So, well, Okay, what's the offseason program like for you, though? You know, it seems like everyone's very interested in that. So when you're not going to baseball games, you know, what's it look like for you? How much does that suck, you know, having to wake up Shoot. 5 a.m. in the offseason? Is there uh, an offseason for the NFL? Let's just get that last thing. Is there an offseason truly? Because no. I don't think there is. No, because football's a, a sport where you have to stay in shape year-round. So they say offseason, but it's really – it's in-season workouts without playing football. Right. Um, so, I mean, I wake up, cook me some breakfast, or my fiancé makes breakfast – and then I'm outside warming up, you know, I, whether, you know, I program my whole off season. So whether I'm doing upper body, lower body, um, core work, conditioning work, it's on a certain day. And then, you know, I'll work out for about two and a half hours, two hours in the morning, come in, shower up, get some lunch. I go back. Um, everything is in my house. I built, you know, a weight That's room, nice. full weight room in nice. my house, just so I don't have to go anywhere. Sure. I'll go hit the sauna. And then in the afternoon, I'll come back. I'll do some like football related stuff. You know, I'll do some footwork. You know, I have a sled. I'll hit the sled. Um, you know, I'll hop on the Peloton if I'm feeling like, eh, you know, my body's a little sore, but I still need to get some cardio in. So I'll do the Peloton. But, you know, it's cool. You know, I total like three, three and a half, four hours a day of work, you know, four days a week. Um, uh, for the fifth day, I usually do like a like a yoga or, you know, some active where, you know, I'm still kind of getting the heart rate up, but, you know, not really physically demanding. And then sure. Saturday and Sunday I take off. Um, but, yeah, that's what I do, man. That's the off season. You know, it's just lifting and running without football. 
Ugh, and that's always the worst part, right? You play, you, you practice for Sundays because Sunday's <sighs> the fun part. No, no player hates to play on Sundays, right? No, Anyone no. can hate practicing. Everybody hates practicing. The, yeah, oh, <laughs> that's a, yeah. I mean, I, I remember growing up, and then like the other thing too is you know players that criticize film. We talked about this with Chris Rump. It's like you, these players have to sit in front of their coach the next day and like have him point out everything he does wrong, and like. Sometimes when you know it's coming to man, and you're like, "Oh no, we're two plays it's away it's from coming. you missing this tackle." It's coming, and you know it's this coming. guy's gonna rip me. Like, and you just have to sit there and take it, man. But hey, man, super appreciative to you again. Like, can't wait. If, if you're not on the Chargers somehow, exclusive ranks free agent. If somehow you're not on the Chargers, they're making a big mistake, man. We're <laughs> super excited for you no to make the team. Think you should have played, you know, pretty much every game. You deserve to make the guy last year and be a part of this defense. So. Appreciate that, man. Keep up the grind, bro. You, Appreciate you, know, you guys. so much. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on here. It was a blast for sure. Looking forward to doing it again. Well, a very, very special thank you to Braden Fajoko for coming on the show. I mean, he really opened up, I and mean, he didn't need to do that. He could have gave very, you know, common answers, and he really was invested in. And I think he taught us a lot, and he was a lot of fun. We'll definitely try to get him and other Chargers players on the show. But to make sure you guys don't miss shows like this, make sure you are subscribing to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel, also following the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcasts from. You don't want to miss tomorrow's show because we're talking about new quarterbacks coach Doug Newsmeyer, somebody we had linked to the Chargers as their quarterback coach spot opened up under Kellen Moore. So we'll talk about that. But you can also find the show every day on all of our social media. So make sure you go follow me on Twitter at DanTalkSports and David Drogmeyer on Twitter at DrotalkSD. We post the show there every day. Or our show's Twitter at LockdownLAC. You can also find the show on our Lockdown Chargers Facebook page and at Lockdown Chargers on Instagram. Thank you guys again. If you want to get in on Fan Mail Friday this week, you can call into 323-524-7924. Leave a 30-second voicemail about your off-season question, and we will get into it, or you can hit us up on Twitter or even in the YouTube comments. But let us know what you thought about today's interview. We appreciate you guys checking out today's show. We'll be back talking tomorrow about the Chargers' new quarterback coach. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.